Welcome back to the Garcia Diaries Unfiltered. I'm your host, Bethany, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, Anthony, and the amazing Sarah Landry from the Brits Pyatt, um, a longtime friend. We're so excited to finally, I think this is the first time you've ever been on our pod. I think so. And I, we're so excited to have you and have a little chat. So, so I, got, I got to share this story about Sarah. Um, so we're going to take it back, and we just did a podcast with you on your podcast and you took the words out of my mouth so first time that i met sarah now i, I had known of the birch of hyatt um i think you guys did some collab together online or something. we used to do those like body positive like loop thing yeah. Hashtag movements. So, yeah so i knew the birch of Hyatt. it was a familiar name bethany i talk about talked about you quite often um but we're in utah for a conference and somebody must have canceled because somehow they asked me to go on the stage. So I was there. But we get to Utah. We check into our hotel. And at this point, I'm not following you. Um, and at that time of my life, I was very like, my wife was an influencer, but I was very anti-influencer, meaning yeah. I just didn't, you know, the influencer in the wild, you had pages like that. I just didn't really think that highly of influencers. My yeah. wife thought very highly of because she was different. She was real, raw, unfiltered. <laughs> But we go to Utah, check in our hotel. Uh, Bethany says, hey, we're going to meet up with Sarah. She's in town as well. I don't know who Sarah is at this point. I know the birth of Hyatt. We go eat some sushi. We're driving around Utah and Uber looking for soda shops. Yeah. Just hanging out, having great conversation. Um, now, this is the first time I've ever been with Bethany while she's at a work event, conference, anything mm. of that nature. Usually I'm home with the kids. We're having great, just hitting it off. It's a great time. We, we're leaving. I look at my phone and I you tag me in a story and I click on your page and I was like, holy shit, that, that's the bird's papaya. Like <laughs> at this, I, you, you had a, you had a. You were like sitting on a curb outside of a soda shop, just all three like Shut chatting up. on a curb. Silent like, road, waiting for our Uber to get there. At this point, you had at least 1.5 million followers. And yeah. like, holy shit, like. We were just on the side of the road hanging out. And I was like, wow, because so Sarah is the birch papaya. Who she is on the gram is who yeah. she is in person. And I was like, <laughs> damn, that's so like I had no indication that you were just so big time. And obviously now I know, but I'm like, wow, that was so awesome. We we hit it off. We had great conversation. We talked just like regular people. And it was like in that moment, I was like, Okay, I really like her. She's good for my wife. I'm glad that yeah. my wife has a friend like her online. So that was our uh, introduction to each other. Yeah. So I just want to say, like, Sarah is as awesome in person as she is online. Now he's a long fan now, right? Right. Yeah. Now he's a follower. And now that I, you know, now I'm a follower, I've seen all the amazing things <laughs> you do online, all the inspiring you do. You're an Eagles fan, exactly. It's just like, wow, just an overall awesome person. Oh, thank you. I remember, I remember that hangout and I remember Bethany messaging me afterwards. She was like, Anthony actually really likes you and he doesn't like everybody. And I was like, yes. You're my second favorite Canadian. <laughs> oh, who's for Drake? Drake. <laughs> I just remember it's so funny because that trip was like so chaotic. I felt like everyone was like, not to like name names, but like there was a lot of vying for attention and like the cool girl mentality. And we were just like having the time. We're just like free meals, soda shops. We were just like kids. We were just hanging out, having the best time. And I was like, I was so glad for that. 
And uh, yeah, and then some of the, some of the, it just felt like there was two sides of this long table of people and some were just trying to be so cool and have everything so, and like, that's like, it's like almost like they're tapped into that business mindset. And then the other half of the table was just like, we were just being sloppy and happy to be here. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with either side of this table, but I was really glad to be on the sloppy fun one. Right. But going in, I would have thought, you know, just based off numbers alone and your status, you would have been on the other side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. So, okay. One of my favorite things that you share about online is because number one, you're so vulnerable. And what drew me to you years and years and years ago was your angel wing posts that you did. Oh, like yeah. the Vitor- that's how I first found you. My little clap back of the, of Vitor- the Victoria's Secret, Secret yeah, comments, I remember. I love that. But what drew me to you was your captions because I mm. love reading people's thoughts yeah. on things but the way you write is just so beautiful like you have to write a book someday you have to but mm-hmm. that, that that was one of the, my first introductions to you and I was just like oh my gosh like she has a way with words that really speaks to me but you share a lot about um not necessarily co-parenting but like your grief and loss and like everything you went through after your divorce mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just want to know a little bit more like how do you how do you choose what you share as far as that goes Mm. because for us like i know in our the way we choose to post things we are very selective when it comes to things that you know there's things like in life that are supposed to be private but as influencers Mm -hmm. like it's nice to be able to share so that people know that they're not alone but you still have you still have to protect the privacy of your children and even like your ex-husband and how yeah. do you choose what you're sharing when you're sharing so vulnerably about things that so many people are going through? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's one thing that I've always been very aware of, and that's that you can, there's so many different forms of experiences. And obviously, like I was married to somebody else before, he has a different experience than I did. My kids have another experience, and you can, you can protect other people and what their experiences are, not telling their story and still tell enough of your own because you don't have to explain why's and go into details to talk about grief of what it is to let go of something. You don't have to give you don't have to give all of the details of um, everything and answer everybody's questions just to, you know, bring some clarity to some of the thoughts that you've had. Some of the big ones that I had were, you know, how do I trust my decision-making again? I've had a marriage that lasted for 11 years and then it no longer was. And I, people could focus on the why and people can focus on the, like, what happened? I, I call it the rubbernecking of the highway. When somebody sees a collision, they rubberneck to that and they have no idea what's happened in the car, right? The entire time that they've been in it, nobody has any idea what's occurred and you don't need to bring them on 11 years of a car ride. What you can do is talk about what it was like to exit that, what it was like when you are no longer in the car and talk about the experiences of maybe being terrified to get into another one, maybe questioning how am I going to, you know, safely walk this path of 
dating again and having children in my car? How am I going to invite somebody in this passenger seat? Things that were my experiences without it being everybody's. And uh, I mean, it's still difficult and people are still curious. I've watched other people go through divorces online. I know people want to Google and find out all those things. And I've also heard every single fake rumor about me when it comes to those things. And I get to know the truth and I get to have the truth and that will always be mine. And I can always hold that to my chest. Um, but there are, there's a lot of things in life that I find, um, we're just like nagging thoughts, a big, a big part of what happened with the written captions, to be honest, because a lot of people found me for my captions, but it was at a time that people just had short captions. And here I was maxing out the, maxing out the number of words that you could put into a, into a caption. Um, and a lot of it came from therapy. So my therapist had told me that I was a human sponge, that I was absorbing everybody's opinions and I was allowing them to be mine and that I needed to sort out what it was to have my own opinion while hearing the opinions of others, being able to navigate my own. And a lot of this stemmed from the fact that I went from living in my parents' house to being married. So I was engaged at 19 or engaged at uh, 18, married at 19. And so I went straight into one house to another without that little room in between for independence and figuring yourself out, which I know you guys relate to. Um, so when you're figuring yourself out, but you're also a parent and you're also having to do those things, it can be tricky. It can be easy to let other people's opinions become your own. So she had called me a sponge and uh, in the least offensive way possible somehow. And really uh, encouraged me, one, to take a solo trip, which I did. I, I started doing like little weekends away once a year. And two, to start writing down my thoughts, to not just let them pass through my brain and out the other side. Pay attention to what you're thinking and feeling because those can become formed opinions and thoughts and ways that you can navigate life without worrying about what somebody else has told you is your life. And that was a big, big thing when you're a big people pleaser, when you've grown up in a church environment, divorce is the worst possible thing you could possibly imagine. And how do you navigate knowing you're going to make that decision, activating it and moving forward, knowing that everything is going to be said about you? And you're doing the right thing. And so I, I very much started to write down my feelings and my thoughts and they, through my divorce was also happening that I was going through disordered eating, realizing all of that. I was having all these health issues pop up. I knew I had to gain weight. I was starting to get into the idea of, oh my God, like dating or whatever. I really didn't ever think I'd get married again, but these these captions that were were actually journal entries. They were just me sitting down with these thoughts. And what was interesting is I used to, even the, even the angel wings that you talk about, I remember that day because I did that whole thing and I was like, this is, is this going to come off really poorly? Is it going to be read a certain way? All of these thoughts and you say all of these things. And I would post and I would throw my phone. I would literally throw it onto the bed and I would sit there and be like, don't look at it for 15 minutes. Don't look at it. You need to let what you said be said. You need to let what you feel right now be valid before you let anybody else say anything about it. Just sit for 15 minutes. And then I would pick back up my phone and almost every single time I'd be met with people saying, oh my gosh, I felt this. Oh my gosh, this is me. I've had these same feelings. I've had these same thoughts. I've dealt with this before. And time and time again, I began to realize that I didn't have to be a version of myself that other people I thought would like more. I could be myself and people could meet that version of me and that would be enough. And that's still really hard to do. I'll be honest, like, especially with growth on social media comes growth of opinion. 
And you have to keep navigating what it is to have thoughts and feelings and create opinions for yourself while hearing even more opinions from others. And so that can still be really tricky and hard, but that's it. To this day, I have no idea what I'll post tomorrow. I have no idea what I'll post next week. I have zero plan and I've never had a plan, but I have like a hundred different things that I've written about in life experience. And when it nags, there's a lot of things I've never shared. And there's a lot of things that I might share in weeks time, but it's almost like, actually, how many notes do I have in my folder right now? I have 1700 notes in my phone right now. So there's a lot of things that I've talked about and written about in my phone, but essentially, eventually I'll get like this nagging feeling. And that's when I know I'm, I need to post it. And some, like, it used to be that I could do it really quickly and then I could walk away. Now it takes me a couple days. It takes me a couple days of that nagging feeling to go, okay, I'm going to talk about this. And one of those was like, even this past week when I wanted to talk about the fact that I didn't really start to feel like myself again until three years after having a child. And at the same time, I was like, I feel like myself again. And I feel like I said that a year ago. I feel like I said that two years ago. I feel like I said it six weeks after she was born, but each time it means something different because each time I'm reconnecting with a new version of myself, not discovering an old version of myself. It's like a reconnection, but the nagging feeling. So I made that video and I sat with it for two days because I just thought, I don't know that anybody's going to understand what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know if anybody's going to get this or if they're going to think I'm just drawing out postpartum so that I stay relevant, but it nagged on me enough that I pressed the share button and I did what I used to do, which was through my phone. And then I came back and I heard woman after woman keep going like, this was, this has been my experience. I'm eight years postpartum and I'm in this. I'm, you know, just about to have a baby. And this gives me hope, not this gives me fear. This gives me hope that even if I feel disconnected, I can find that again. So that's sort of been what it's always been, which it's a journal. And sometimes that's really messy. And sometimes that's really inspiring. And sometimes it's really funny and it's everything in between. So I just tried to keep doing that the best I can while also struggling with my mental health and realizing that some things are best to stay in the notes because I'm not ready to hear anything from it yet. Yeah. So we'll stay on captions here for a second because you have a posted a caption that resonated with me. Um, so a few years back, Bethy and I were going through a tough time. We were on the verge of divorce. It was not looking great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you reposted it because I brought it to Bethany and Bethany said sometimes you'll share the post, but it was uh, something along the lines of, you know, at the time you, I think you had just, or you you had written that you had moved in with your parents, the marriage had ended. Uh, I'm just paraphrasing here, but the way it was written mm-hmm. was so beautiful. It like resonated with me and I felt your pain and, you know, just sat with me. But also at the same time, Bethany and I were going through some things and I was like, gosh damn it hopefully Bethany doesn't read this and take it as a sign as like all right now is the time to just break free you know you said 11 years we were what seven eight nine years at that point um but Mm. talk about you're like the phoenix rising from the ashes you know and I felt Mm. how in that just reading the caption how in that moment I would say maybe that was your rock bottom you were like hey Mm -hmm. you didn't know what was going to come next what life had in store for you um, you did mention therapy, but were there other things that you did? Be- I mean, because we see you now and you're thriving mm-hmm. and the family's great and you got a great husband. And I know I'm a product of a stepdad. Uh, my dad mm-hmm. abandoned us, me as a kid. Stepdad came in and raised me as his own. Uh, obviously, 
forever grateful to my stepdad because who knows what trajectory life takes us if he doesn't step in. So I resonate mm-hmm. with you guys in that aspect. Um, but what else was it that kind of kept you going? Because just reading that caption, I was like, damn, it seems like it was a tough, tough place for her. Mm-hmm. And to see where you're at now is like, wow, you made it through that yeah. storm. You made it through that time in life where you didn't know what was next or what was yeah. going to happen. Um, was there anything else besides therapy or was there, is therapy just like if anyone, hey, everyone needs therapy, do it, do it, do it, get it done. So my therapist actually dumped me right before the divorce. Um, she told me that I wasn't activating <laughs> on anything that I knew I needed to do, that I was very stuck. And she was like, I don't think I can walk past down this path with you any longer um, until you're ready to start making changes that'll do something. It's one thing to sit with a therapist and talk about your feelings, but when you're going on years and not doing anything about it, that was a huge wake up call. So actually during my divorce, I was not in therapy. It was before I ever left. And I ended up going back to her, um, years later. And I walked in and the moment I saw her face, I just burst into tears. Cause I was just, she gave me so many tools to be able to take those steps. Um, but I will say there is one thing and I still in a different capacity, I still do this, but I was a server at the time. I worked in a restaurant so I was working a day job. I was working two different jobs. I was like a single mom who works two jobs, loves her kids, never stops. But I would go to work every night and it didn't matter how many problems I had going on in my world. Every single night you showed up, you put your uniform on and you served others. And I would be the best server that I could be. I loved I loved doing that. And I remember I had gotten separated in November. So that first Valentine's, I'm very single. And I'm, and I said, you know what, I'll volunteer. Everyone else is in couples. I'll volunteer and I'll serve on Valentine's. It's like a high-end steakhouse here. And I showed up for that shift and every single table, I just thought if I have, if I don't have somebody to share this with, I'm getting to be the person that serves these people in this moment. And it's interesting because when I have a bad day now, I do this thing where I randomly scroll through other people's videos of, that I don't follow and I just leave them really nice comments because I know everyone's going through stuff and everyone's getting shit comments. And I'll, I'll see like somebody's craft and people are just like making fun of it or arguing in the comments or they're sharing their outfit and people are just like making notes about their body. And I'm just like, you know what? I can't control everything that's going on. I'm having a bad day too. But I'm just going to be this person that like shows up and serves others in any way I can. Let me just leave some really nice comments, do these little things, because I remember how much it helped me taking myself out of the situation. Like for two seconds, every single night I would show up to this job and I didn't have to worry about anything else. I had to worry about getting these people a great dinner service and then going home to my kids. And it was just enough of a cycle like a circuit breaker almost in my world that helped me get through it. And so I don't really know for anybody who's like going through stuff where that leaves you, but I do think like it was nice to have a perspective change anywhere I could. And and I don't mean it to be like a toxic positivity way because you still have to wake up the next day and deal with your feelings for sure. But sometimes the feelings are so strong that you need a circuit breaker. You need a moment of like something else, something that gives you gratitude, something that gives you distraction. So you have time to deal with your feelings in a much healthier way. Because there were times when during the divorce, and it's uncomfortable when you're living at your parents' house. And my parents are very 
supportive. And they're also very, um, like if my mom heard me crying, there would probably be six casseroles outside my bedroom door. Like she, and then I would feel guilty and I would feel like, oh, because when you're going through something and it impacts other people, you feel guilty. You don't want to like, I don't want my pain to be your pain. And I, like I, my parents were already like, they had to go through their own process of mourning my divorce. It's too much to carry that for everyone else. So I would literally get in my car and drive to some random parking lot and ball my eyes. I would scream at the top of my lungs, but that didn't like, that was a relief in a sense, but it wasn't doing anything. It wasn't activating anything. And so I think that it was important for me to have a lot of discomforts and to face why it was so uncomfortable. Cause a lot of the things that you go through, a lot of it genuinely comes down to trusting yourself amidst knowing that everybody else is going to have something else to say or think, but that they have no idea what you're actually going through. And so I, I don't know, there was something about that job and actually none of my coworkers knew I was going through it. I, I ended up telling them a few weeks later when one of them asked me how my husband was. And I was like, Ooh, actually I've been living at my parents' house. I left in November and, um, those servers, it, they just started, I mean, one of them in particular, she, um, she was like 10 years younger than me. It's my friend, Ariana. And she would be like, Hey, I'm going to go run errands today. Do you want, like, can I take one of the kids or, Oh my God, you're doing a birthday party. That sounds so fun. And she would just like, I'm like, why is this university student want to hang out with me and my kids? But it was like, you met these new people and they were actually thought it was really cool that you had this life of hanging out with kids and getting to do fun things. We'd go bowling and all this stuff. And it, that changed my life too, that I wasn't like this burden of a person for everybody, that some people could actually find joy in meeting me in the garden of weeds, right? And eventually they would become flowers, but not then. And a lot of things change when you're going through life stuff. But um, that's one thing I always was really grateful for was something that ultimately was a distraction, but also a way for me to I don't know, show up in the world that wasn't about me and my experiences because I was so ready to just zone out on that. And I'm glad that I didn't take other vices to zone out that I ended up zoning out on just serving other people, I guess. So switching gears like a tiny bit, unless you have more on that. No, nothing. Okay. Yeah. So switching gears a tiny bit, you have always been someone that I can like look to on a pl an online platform to feel inspired by and have, you know, I can just scroll through your feed and I'm like, there's 10 captions in one <laughs> scroll that I'm like, I can relate to this. But yeah. a lot of it is, especially like over the years, it's been like a lot of body positive and or body um, neutrality, like just yeah, really positive things or honest things about your body. But does that ever make you feel like stuck in the niche box of like I have to share these things and because I know for myself like once I started sharing other things like the engagement was tanking yeah. and it seemed like people were less interested and yeah. then that like made me feel bad and it was this like kind of vicious cycle of I feel like I have to keep sharing these things or else I'm not relevant anymore how do you mm. battle that do you feel comfortable sharing things that aren't was there a process to it how do you do it <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because most people will know me for the content that I create around stretch marks or body image and things like that. But if you actually scroll my feed, it's like one in six posts nowadays. Like it's not everything, but I always have respected that a lot of people came for advice on that. And I know that I can probably show up and give them some advice on that, or just as we all journey through bodies and it's complex and it changes all the time. And I feel like if I went back and read my captions four years ago, they might be different they might be hypocritical to something I've said today because that's such an evolution of self. But I always knew I didn't want to niche myself into any one thing and that the least engaged posts I will do will be ones that probably make me happy, right? So whether it's travel, whether it's my pets, like my dog doesn't get very many likes, but I freaking love posting pictures of her sometimes. And I have always found that I have to accept low engagement if it means my content feels good to me because years ago, and as many people know, I used to be a weight loss page and I was primarily weight loss. And then when I realized that that was not good for me anymore and I had to move away from that, I spent years losing all of those followers and then new ones would come and join me where I was at. So whenever I see that engagement dip and that go down, I always sort of well, what I'm trying to think about the most is that you, you have to have that time and turnover. A lot of people might follow you because they were going through postpartum with you. And you know what? We're a few years down the road. Maybe we're not in that same space anymore. Maybe they've gone on to have another baby. Maybe they have, you know, taken another path and it's, it's not, we just connected for a season and it's not there anymore. That's also super valid. So I, and I say this, like having lost more followers than I've gained in the last year. So I have really had to remind myself like that going down a path of just talking about the same thing over and over and over when it was no longer connecting to me in the way that I've approached social media, which is like a journal, then I can't let it have that hold on everything, all my work and, the, and everything that I'm doing. One of my most viral videos that I've ever done was talking about teenagers trick-or-treating. That has nothing to do with body image whatsoever. And it was one of the more important things I feel like I've ever made content about. And it was actually my stories. And people were like, oh, could you make this a reel? And I made it a reel. And then I would run into teenagers and they were like, thank you for that video. I went trick-or-treating this year because of you. That was like, damn, they're people that would never have been in my audience because they never would have known to connect with me through the stuff that I was normally talking about. I had to go do this whole other thing. And then here we are. I also just think like Instagram is at an age where it's no longer in growth. So, and people are already over consuming. So we really have to stop feeling so personal about every single thing, doing well or not doing well. Things are meant to do well and not do well. If you see somebody with consistently the exact same engagement on every single post, I'd be a little suspicious. So when I see people who have things that go up and down, when you, like, I'll tell you for the, for the pages that I follow and I love, I want all of it. I don't want that one thing over and over and over again. I want all of you. I want what, or if you have one topic that you want to talk about, and I know that about you, amazing. I know that I can go to you for that one thing, but for everything else, I don't know. I don't want to tuck away the parts, the nerdy parts of myself that wants to randomly do a Disney craft one day, or that like, wants to throw a birthday party and talk about it. I don't want to feel like, oh, this isn't body image. And I know that even though I haven't niched myself, other people have niched for me. I would rather them get to know the whole package. And, and I feel better about that. The reason that some things get more engagement is that when 
somebody connects on it at a really emotional level, they're probably not going to emotionally connect with your birthday party. They are probably going to emotionally connect with when you talk about body image or postpartum or an experience that you've gone through as a parent. When they emotionally connect, they share it. And that's what drives up your engagement. So it's natural human nature that determines all of these things. And I say this so clearly and so everything, and I still cannot look at my analytics without feeling like she's a has-been. <laughs> like I still have these moments of like, it's all going downhill. It's all going away and you enjoyed it while you could, you're done. And it's been 15 years of that. I, I hit a million followers and it was an hour before somebody said, I wonder when you're going to hit two. And I think about, I think about Taylor Swift, how much she's done and how many songs she's written. And she can't just be that. It will always be what's coming. Everyone's talking about when reputation's coming out, when the next song's coming out, when new music is coming out. Nobody gets to just be successful and be happy. It's always what's coming next. There's always further expectations on you. So we really have to take responsibility to know that and recognize that even the best artists in the world take a break and they come back and they have refreshed thoughts, opinions, songs, work that they do. And we're here out grinding every single day, nonstop. And like I said, I'm a writer. So this whole video centric content has taken me to another level of learning and having to figure out how to reach an audience in a way that is new for me. Sorry, I'm just getting daggers from his eyeballs this whole conversation. Um, hey Zeke, our producer, can you just clip everything she just said? Send it to me in a like, Pete, however, so when Bethany is spiraling in, in bed three in three nights, I could just be like, oh, hey, girl, I'll remember send you what my Sarah said? Everything you said is like conversations we have all the time where I'm like, I, it's you're, you're preaching to the choir. And thank yeah. you. Oh, thank you. Um, what do you find is the hardest thing to talk about, to be vulnerable about? For me, it's the body image stuff still. But I feel like for some people, it's like mental health or I feel like yeah. there's so much judgment that comes from sharing that you're mentally mm -hmm. struggling, especially as a mom, because it's mm -hmm. like we're responsible for humans. Like we're, it's almost like we're not allowed to struggle. And mm -hmm. so I I don't even think I've really talked about mental health in a long. Maybe that's the hardest thing for me. But for you, what is it? Because I know, like, you are so honest about everything, but is there ever those moments, even on, like, stories, maybe not even a feed post, but, like, stories when you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have shared that, or people are yeah. judging too hard, those kinds of things. Um, mental health was a big one. I think because I'm so happy presenting that it was hard for me to even find space for how bad things were getting. And um, they got real bad, like and I've been honest about this, but I started struggling really badly with suicidal thoughts. And when things like that are happening, you're no longer just, Hey, what content am I going to make? You're just in survival mode. It was embarrassed. Honestly, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that like, I had to have my husband like watch me almost. And that I had to tell him when I was thinking of hurting myself, like it was, it was embarrassing. And I didn't know how to talk about it because even though I had struggled with like prenatal depression and things like that, I don't, I didn't, and anxiety maybe, I didn't know how to deal with like, oh my gosh, how do you have every box checked in your life and now you're not okay? I felt like I almost hated me. Like everybody else who gave me the, the hate messages, I was like, damn, agreed. My voice is annoying. You're so fucking right. I am a piece of trash. You start agreeing with all of the things that people say to you. And so when I started being open about my mental health, 
two things happened. One, I had some, I mean, really, really big eye-opening moments of people whose lives were potentially, there was a, there was an, I have PMDD. So it's like, um, it's a cyclical, it's a, almost like a brain allergy to your period hormones. It's like a very severe PMS and it can cause you almost all the time to just your whole life become, feels catastrophic and, um, unsurvivable. And so when I would, when I did talk about it, when I did open up about it, I was a little embarrassed. And I also then had a woman reach out to me who said, when you said it, I realized that this was the things that my 14 year old was going through. And we, we had no idea it was a thing and they were able to get her treatment. She had multiple times tried to take her life. And then another parent whose child didn't make it because of mental health. And she just gave me this, I saw her in real life and she just gave me this big hug. And she said, never stop talking about this because you never know whose life you could be saving. At the same time, when I told people what I was going through, it was like they knew what they could do and when they could do it. So I had to be careful. People started encouraging me to kill myself. People started, um, I mean, I posted about, I, I stopped posting about mental health stuff in real time. I would just be quiet. I would actually save up me. I actually save up memes so that people won't notice when I'm actually down because I don't want, I can't, they, I can't let them figure it all out, you know, or at least I feel that way. But when I was sharing about it in real time, it was like, I couldn't handle anything. So when they were, I would talk about what I was going through. And then I went out for an anniversary dinner with my husband and they were like, wait, I thought you were trying to kill yourself. And now you're out for dinner. And I was like, there is so much to work through here. There's so much to process in the way that we view mental health and how we parent, how we show up for ourselves, how we are in relationship, how we cope. And so I don't share about it in real time. And I've actually shared a lot less about it because it's derailed me on a lot of my own progress talking about it because it's people are cruel. And so I feel two ways about it. I'm really glad that I talked about it when I had capacity to, and when I will again. And I'm also glad that I have the self-awareness to say sharing about it has been one of the hardest things that I've ever done for multiple reasons. One, because there's a lot of personal stigma that I feel like I've carried on with it. And two, it's, it's like when you cry and then you're like, and you're like, how do you come back from that? How do you come back from crying? Like, it feels weird to enter into like any normalcy again after that. So there's a lot of embarrassment and shame that you kind of go through, but it also was really hard to deal with how awful people could be about mental health. I, I don't think I was prepared for that reality. It's interesting too. It's like, if you're smiling, people think that there's no possible way that you could be struggling with anything. Yes. Like in the darkest times of my life, I've been, I've put on a smile on my face because I, ha I have to, oh, yeah. I have five oh, kids yeah. and I have people that can't rely on me and my business, yeah. people rely on my business. And it's like, I almost have to fake it sometimes. And then when I'm yeah. honest about what I'm going through and I'm like, I've been experiencing this, 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 and this, and people are like, well, you just went to a concert yeah. while well, you were just on a date night. Well, and it's yeah. like yeah they they yeah. live simultaneously Look at me living. right Ella, for me even in our relationship like when we got married and we were together i was not a believer in mental health i thought it was just mm. a made Very thing cultural thing yeah. that's like he it, it yeah. doesn't exist and so even with us it's like we just had a baby and you know 
everything should be happy and perfect. And I'm seeing her like, all right, this is so it took me years of having to learn and understand. And hey, maybe I don't deal with it anywhere to the extent near as she does, but it is real. And I'm, I have to navigate, you know, in those tough, tough moments with her is, hey, sometimes I think of a response or an answer to something and it's like, okay, now's not the moment. And I got to kind of make sure that I'm here for her. So that's just in our real life. So, you know, people online, you give them an inch and they're going to try to kick that whole door open. Yeah, so true. So switch gears a bit because obviously we're parents. Um, Your kids are a little bit older. What is your oldest, uh, the ages? So they'll all have birthdays soon and they will be... 18, 16, 14, and now we have Lemmy, who's just turned three. When I first started, this is just crazy, because when I first started following you, Bowden was like a child, like an actual he was a child. He was a toddler. Like, literally, it's so crazy. People are people are most freaked out by watching Bowden grow up, because it's happening so fast, and he's taller than me now, and his voice has changed, and everyone's like, what the heck? It's wild. So it's a two-part question. Um, yeah. A, as far as like content you put out. So we had a situation where I had some braids in my hair. The lady braided them too tight. It was oh, causing I pain. I cut the hair off. Watermelon head? And I had, head. I had the bruises in my head, right? Yeah. And somehow a video that Bethany posted made it onto some compilation video on YouTube. So okay. some kids were like bullying our daughter about it, calling her dad basketball head. Just... It was no big deal, but they were like, that's like, yeah. don't talk. she was like, don't talk about my what, dad like what that. What kids? He's yeah. like, your mom's probably going to divorce him because he is a melon head. Right. Like the weirdest stuff. We're like, what? And they're, uh, she's 10. So they're, yeah. you know, they're young yeah. kids. And obviously that is not nothing major. You know, I had bruises in my head. What do you want me to yeah. do? I didn't, I didn't, you know, but as far as, you know, you post some vulnerable things, you're open, honest, mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. anything like that ever trickle down to the kids you know because you said your oldest is 18 teenagers mm-hmm. high school kids are mean has has anything like that ever happened and did you ever adjust or, or how do those conversations look with the kids that you know are start, you know you're 18 that's an adult you're just going to start your own life yeah you're transitioning to yeah the next stage yeah, I it's funny. We haven't had anything to I know there have been friends of theirs who come across my content and know about it. That becomes a little bit of a weird lens when you're like, "Okay, when I'm sharing this stuff, I have to remember that, you know, this app is for ages 13 and up and they could see this." But um it's also interesting because I've always really fought for my kids understanding that there was a lot of like that's me, that's not you and just like, I don't know. It's like such a weird thing, but I've never, they've never, that they've told me been anything but proud and happy. I mean, they call me cringy for sure. Of course they're Gen Z's. They're little, they're like, you're so cringe millennial. But, um, they also know, like if they were like, didn't like something that I posted, that it's still, it's not about them. It's about me. And so they're fine with that. Everything that involves them, they, they have to give the stamp of approval on. So I, I think there's at least that. 
And I mean, I have shared some like openly embarrassing things before, like when I had shingles on my vagina, um, I talked about it and they were like, oh my God, mom. But I also watch them grow up now and they're getting less embarrassed about the things that naturally happen as humans. And I remember like one of my daughters had stretch marks on her legs and I was like, damn, that's so cool. And I was like, it just wasn't even a thing for her. And I was like, it's so cool to see that. I hope it's all positive and good. And uh, but, but to be honest, they're very, um, they, they troll me the most. They're just like, they're just so funny and they keep me so humble and they're also my biggest supporters. And so it's been really fun to have that. I don't know, maybe because I also didn't let them have social media until they were like of age. I think I allowed Bowden to watch certain, like you can access it, but you couldn't like post anything. You can't do anything. My, none of my kids post on social media, really. Um, they just like, use it as like a consuming, like they would have YouTube or something like that. But whenever I let like Gemma, for instance, she's older and we did a little get unready. We've done a couple get unready videos with me that were her idea. And she's so funny and so naturally talented at it. And I'm like, damn, I wish, I wish I had that life skill to be this good, just so naturally funny and charismatic. But, um, I'm so grateful because it really hasn't, maybe because it's honestly, if I'm honest, it's been their whole life. Like I started blogging and it's, I think at a time I did make it a little bit more about them, but they were, I mean, Bowdoin would have been not even born yet when I started blogging. I started blogging when I just had the two girls. And so that's why it's the birds papaya. Cause it's Maya papaya and Gemma birdie. It's their nicknames that kind of combined. So Gemma was uh, just a few months old when it started. So that's why I'm coming up on year 16. But in terms of social media, I think most of them actually, all of their friends really think it's cool. So I think that helps Yeah, <laughs> me particularly. Yeah, that no, they with, think well, cool. with our girls, like I started my blog when Brooklyn was an infant and I was pregnant with, because they're like 12 yeah. months old, Brooklyn and Harlan. So it's been their entire life too. Like they don't know anything different. Yeah. But I just feel like too, there's some kids that are just like, they're just mean. Like I don't. It's going to, yeah. like, I don't know why we've, I think we've had, like, several instances now where it's been, like, random kids. And so I have, like, tried to not remove my kids from my content, but yeah. I want it, my page to be about me. I want it to be mm -hmm. my thoughts, my opinions, like, sprinkle my life in there, yeah. of course. But, like, I do think for years and years it was, like, this is all about my kids and all about parenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I was in that season where it was like pregnant, postpartum, breastfeeding, pregnant, postpartum. Yeah. That's right. Everything. That's your whole so world. long. And I'm, I, what you said earlier, I don't know if it was even in this podcast or the last one, but we were talking about how you like finally felt like yourself again after like three years. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I relate to that so much. Like I, Ellis is three and a half now. And it was right around when she turned three that it was finally like, oh my gosh, like, I'm an mm. actual human being. I forgot that mm. for a while. Like I only existed for them for almost yeah. a decade. And yep. I forgot what it was like to like have my own body and like yes. not share it with someone. Whether Go to it's the bathroom by yourself. Or, yes. Yeah. It's like yeah. I I I'm able to connect with him in a different way now. Like in mm -hmm. a whole different experience not having babies anymore and yeah. i'm so i was like scared to enter the stage of life where it's like yeah. they're not gonna need me anymore like as much as they do did before and they're not glued to my boob or my hip and i 
have never been happier, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like with mm-hmm. my with how they're growing, with our relationships with each other. Like I was yeah. scared to have kids that were older because I'm like, how like how do I be a mom to a ten year old? Like how is that gonna work? I know how to spoon feed and I know how to change diapers, but how do I have like tough conversations? And yeah, it's so much better <laughs> having babies. It's it's like I have little friends walking right. around that like love me and look up to me and like ask for advice and mm-hmm. it's although it is a different set of problems and I'm sure yeah, different set as of the kids get older. I mean, we try to do our best to yeah. shield our kids and protect them from saying things that we don't think are age appropriate, things of that nature. But you yeah. can't control when you're at lunch and you don't know what another kid's seeing. Yeah, you can't what bubble wrap them to. for sure. But the only reason you can I only be that, that safe home for them to land, right? It's the same with diet talk. People are like, how do you protect your kids from diet culture? And I'm like, I don't. It's where we live in that. We live in a world that's going to tell them they're not enough. And I'm going to be at home always letting them know they are. So I can't control what goes on outside. I can control who I am to them. I can control being that safe landing. And uh, I, I honestly, I'm... I think our social media experiences often mirror where our life is at. And I think for, if you're a stay at home mom, obviously all you're, all you're doing is being that person for these little humans. It consumes all of you. Suddenly Miss Rachel is like a celebrity to you. And you're like, oh my God, I love all her posts. Like you just become consumed by it. And so it, I felt like that with, especially having Lemmy in the pandemic, I mean, she was the, nobody could see her. Nobody could visit. We were in lockdowns and stuff here. And so being able to share her with like my friends and family and people online, it like meant a lot. And now we're like in a different time and space. And I'm like, yeah, she's still around and she's still, but like it had to come back to me. And I do feel like I got a little bit caught up in like what the, what the kids' lives were. Um, but it, you, you navigate back. And for me, it was like focusing back on myself and, what my experiences are and sprinkling that little joy that kids do bring and the chaos that they bring too, right? Like they are at the end of the day, having teenagers has given me a lot of perspective on the fact that this all goes really fucking fast. And I don't want to sit and be resentful of the process. I want to enjoy it. I want to be honest about it. And I want to also give people hope that like your whole life will not be in diapers and, and bedtime duties, right? Like that's not your whole existence. There's so much more, but also there's going to be a little bit of bedtime and, and, and diaper stuff. And it's such a short window of life and anything you can do to sort of get through it and find joy and gratitude in those stages so many people are terrified to have teenagers. If I can show them just a semblance of how fucking amazing it is, I'm going to do that because I can only talk from my perspective of how lovely it is to kind of be their personal chauffeurs and chefs and all that stuff and watch them grow up because I could easily focus on how shitty it all is um, to constantly be in your car. But in, I just try and perspective change. And again, you can loop that back to yourself. And I think that's where I've I've been personally shifting. It's just same to you, like where, like still sharing, like when we, especially when we go on vacations or we usually get one family picture a year, if you can believe it, just one that every other time they're like, absolutely not. So I get one a year (laughs) and every, and that's like the most that usually we share is like a whole family because we're all everywhere all at once. And ultimately I'm the only relationship that's going to be here forever. So I try and just bring it back to that every time. So that's a, that's a good, good. I'm glad that I heard that because we're right behind you. Teenage hoods coming next, and it's, it's just my like, favorite. Right, Teenagers I, and toddlers, man. It's my want, favorite stages. You know, I feel like Bethany. I love what she does. It's inspiring to me 
the message mm-hmm. she's, that she gets that it's inspiring to others. So I'm like, yes, do your thing, live your life, keep inspiring others, change. But then I, you know, I, I look at your Instagram and I see this picture. I'm like, wow, she's hot. But to my second grader, you know, if a kid sees that, like, hey, I saw a picture of your mom in her underwear. They don't understand, yeah. like, oh, yes, she's wearing underwear, but there's a message behind it. Yeah, I do have some regrets. Like, if you Google my name, the one of the first things that comes up is, like, a full-on naked picture. Right, but it's, like, the picture wasn't taken to, like, oh, I'm... You know, it was supposed to be. Yeah. And also, they've done a lot of studies about um, kids' exposure. Like, first of all, it's not your fault if a second grader, like, goes onto a social media platform that they're not actually supposed to be on and consumes content. Like, there's a lot worse. Like, that, that's not your responsibility. But second, um, there's been a lot of studies because in certain countries, it's much more, people are much more liberated about their bodies. And kids who are part of that have much more positive body image views and have have a less skewed view view of the world, I guess. And I think it's also important for us to constantly be reminded that your body is not inherently sexual. And so we're not, we shouldn't have to be apologetic about when we're putting our pants on and we see our skin wiggle a little bit. We're not trying to be sex appeal. We're not, if we're in our underwear because we're literally posing for underwear, guess what? We all have to wear underwear. And it's just like, I have to remind myself of that a lot, but I also am just like, it's not my responsibility. If, especially like with the guidelines that are on social media, they're so, you can't actually show all that much. You really, really can't. Like you can't show, I have a picture of just like my bare belly when I was pregnant and that got like flagged and taken down. So I mean, if it's no different than what we're going to see on the beachfronts and things like that, it's not, I don't know. It's just like, it's body policing. And if I ever see my kids like go like, oh, she's like, like if I ever heard my kids be like, oh, somebody's wearing like so little on social media, I'd be like, that is their body to choose with. They following the guidelines of the app. That's your responsibility. That's not, that's not theirs. That's your responsibility. And so I sort of have to hold myself to that as well even though it's like social media does scare me a little bit. I also recognize that, like I said, it's the world and we have to be that safe landing place for our kids to come to us and talk about things, not judge and scrutinize and make them feel shame for anything that they might have experienced in those spaces. Right. So it can be tricky because I don't think that, I think a lot of us experienced adult content, usually at like a friend's house or like a party or something like that wasn't at home by ourselves. It was like, or we accidentally found a channel of something. And so that can be really confusing and, and really shameful for a lot of people. And at at the same time, I I always want to be the kind of person that if they told me about it, it would be like, okay, that's not like, don't feel bad. We're going to like talk through it. I haven't never had to come across that yet, but if it happens, it happens. Actually, that's not true. One time Gemma was planning a peacock birthday party and she Googled it with two separate words. We had to have a chat then. She found some content. She was like, and she was so like honest about it. She was like, yeah, uh, that's disgusting and moved on. And I was like, okay. So just for, just for our listeners, that's you know, we're, the Garcias were dealing with things of that nature in our household. And we're just, hey, we're just having real open, honest, age-appropriate conversations because yeah. we're not going to shy away. The kids know who we are, what we yeah. do, what we stand not for. Google, not the kids Googling things, but the kids have friends that right. have, like, older siblings right. and stuff and have been letting mm-hmm. them in on some things. And we're just like... Yeah. So it's a scary time, but also we're like, hey, we're doing the best that we yeah. can. 
what we think is the best. So just hearing that conversation, you know, have this conversation with you. Yeah, hearing, yeah. You know, our kids Well, let's are- be real. Bethany and I grew up in purity culture. And so you know how everything works out. So it, there's a great page that I like to reference a lot called Sex Positive Families. And they talk a lot about just being open and honest with kids actually reduces the chances of them being dangerous with their bodies. Yeah, I love that. This whole conversation is inspiring to me. And I'm just so grateful that you- took time out of your day to come chat with us because I know it's yeah. going to be such a good conversation for people to hear. It's been so. in the works for way too long. I'm so we happy we did you, it. Do you know the song yet? No, blind, I have to learn it because I was at blind, the game. Blind. I will tell you this though. I was at Disney and I saw one of the guys who worked there at the popcorn stand. He said he was from Philadelphia. And I said, are you an Eagles fan? And he said, yeah, I am. And I go, go birds. And he handed me a free popcorn. And I was like, best day. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, we had a little, was it Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. I wore an Eagles hat to an event. He looked me in my eye. We did a little go birds, you know? Hey. That is so cool. <laughs> Anyways, I you guys that. can follow Sarah at the Birds Papaya. Go listen to her podcast. We love her so much. And thank you, Sarah, for chatting with us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you.